Welcome to the New Song Church Sermon Podcast. Here at New Song, we want to help people get to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions about us or want to learn more, you can check us out online at www.new-song-church.com. We'd love for you to stay connected with us throughout the week through our church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. Just search keyword new song. And now, check out our message of the week. Are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? Let's do it. Get out your sermon notes. We're in a series, The Cross Equals Love. And we're going to read from the book of Ephesians before we go uh, any further, except to say that this is really Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, is actually what many theologians believe is believed to be the longest scripture in the Bible. The longest sentence, let me say it a bit different way, the longest sentence in the Bible, where we have it in our notes, and there's, there are some, some you know, commas and periods there and, and uh, things like that. When Paul originally wrote this to the Ephesians, verses 3 through 14 was actually just, it's called a run-on sentence. In the Greek, it's just one sentence, and it is long. I mean, long, okay? And so we divided it up, but that's not the way it originally is. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's, there's no coincidences in the Bible, that everything in the Bible is there for a reason. And when Paul is writing this run-on sentence, this very long sentence, what he's doing is actually, he's giving you like a 30,000-foot view of the grace of God. So he's taking you above it, and he's saying, hey, everybody, look down, look on this, and you're going to see that all of this makes sense and how it all connects together. It's going to make sense to you when you read it. And he would just take them, just, just word after word after word after word for this incredibly long sentence. Now, that being said, I, I want to uh, uh, explain it like this. If you've ever been in a plane, and most of you have, most of you have flown before, and, and you're, let's say, at about uh, 10 or 15,000 feet, you can look down on the ground and you'll see how, how the land is measured, how the land is sectioned off. So, so if you look down, if you're in an airplane and you're looking down, you're going to see a bunch of squares, right? You're in, in, you know, squares are like, kind of like miles where it's like, okay, you can, see, you can see where one mile is and then two miles and three miles. You're going to see um, uh, that uh, sometimes fields that you think are, are like, messed up, or you're like, well, that's a crooked field. Actually, when you're in the air, you'll realize it's not the field that's crooked, it's actually the road that's crooked. Like sometimes a road will run northeast or northwest or southeast or southwest. You know what I'm saying? And will cut across a field, or you look down a road and maybe it's a tight turn, you say, wow, that, that, that field is off or that land is off. It's usually not the land, it's usually the road. So what you see from the air is every, you, you'll, see, you'll see everything laid out perfectly, and every now and then a road will just cut through it. How many know what I'm talking about? So, so in fact, we have that around here, Plymouth Ghostin Trail, Plymouth LaPorte Trail. They just kind of go at diagonals, right, and cut across the land. Well, what he's saying is that, hey, I'm going to give you this view of, on the grace of God, and it's all going to make sense, and what you're going to spot is some things in your life that you have crooked, some, some things, some thoughts that you have crooked, but if you, if you take the look of this verse from the top, looking down, you're going to see that it all is beautiful and it all makes sense. It's all beautiful and it all makes sense, and we need to adjust our, our direction to the Word of God. Like We need to be the one to make the adjustment, not the Word of God to us. 
Okay, so now that, that in mind, I'm going to give you, as Paul does, this 30,000-foot view of the grace of God. Ephesians 1, 3 is where we're going to start. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in, in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now, you're going to see that that's underlined in, in your sermon notes, and I've continued to under, underline that thought, um, and I just want you to pay attention to it. For he chose us, verse 4, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, through forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Verse 11, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his Glory over and over and over again in this one sentence written by the Apostle Paul, we see one thing over and over again. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Let me ask you a question. If, is your life all about Jesus? Is Jesus truly the focal point of your life? When you wake up in the morning, do you have Jesus on your mind? When you go to work, do you have Jesus on your mind? When you come home and you're with your kids and your wife or your husband or grandchildren, do you have Jesus on your mind? When you're watching television at night, do you have Jesus on your mind? When you go to bed at night, do you have Jesus on your mind? Like, is he the focal point of the entirety of your life? Let me ask it this way. Does your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, do you, are you so in love and so focused on Jesus that when you wake up, it affects what you do first thing in the morning? And it affects what you say, and it affects where you go, and it affects what you do, and, and, and it affects who you talk to or what you talk about. It, it affects what you watch. It affects what you hear. I mean, literally, is, your in, is, your in, is the entirety of your day focused on the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you, do you filter your day through Jesus? Do you have those ongoing thoughts of, hey, can't watch this, can't listen to this, Jesus wouldn't approve. Can't talk about this, Jesus wouldn't approve. And maybe you don't say it like that. Maybe you just say, oh, no, the Lord's not good with this. Or, hey, you know what? As a Christian, I just can't. Like, th those are all the same. It's all the same thing. Do you live with Jesus as the focal point of your life? 
Can, can you look around and just say, you know what? My life is all about Jesus. It affects how I work. It affects how I get up in the morning, what I do when I get up, what I do when I go to bed. It affects how I parent. It affects the, the type of spouse that I am. It affects everything in my life because my life is built upon Jesus. It's all about him. Can I tell you something about the Apostle Paul? His life was all about Jesus. It was all about Jesus, and he proves that over and over and over again by the things that he says, and he writes the most beautiful, he gives us the most beautiful picture of the grace of God in that portion of Scripture, and he said, in Christ, in Christ, I want you to realize what has been given to us, that the grace of God, he says it this way, that the grace of God has been lavished on us. Have, have you ever went to some place where they, they just lavished things on you? Um, I, I went to, um, if, if you go to, in fact, we're taking a mission team to Haiti in a couple of months. My wife and I are going to lead that team. And, uh, you know, I've been there a lot of, a lot of times. My, my daughter, my youngest daughter is from Haiti. And when we went to the orphanage, it's called New Life Link, to go uh, at the first time to meet our daughter on her first birthday. We couldn't bring her home, but we could go meet with her. And we spent a week with, I took a week of vacation, me and my wife, because we didn't want Delight to have her first birthday without us. So we just went down, flew down there for her birthday, and um, she didn't know us from the man in the moon, but we, we spent the, the entire week with her. And then we went back again about a year later to go get her and bring her home. And I, I remember, you know, in Haiti, obviously Haitians don't have much. They, they can't really lavish anything on you because they don't, they don't have really anything to lavish. But one of the things that they do uh, for Americans is, is, is the, um, the director of the orphanage, his name was Dr. Jacob Bernard. Dr. Bernard... Um, uh, he invited my wife and I to dinner. We, in fact, we had dinner with them multiple times. This wonderful couple, just, just, I, I mean, I think they're going to be first in heaven type of thing. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, uh, he, he, he would have dinner, and he would not let me fix my plate. Because if you're, if you're in a place like Haiti and you're, you're, you're a guest, and especially an American guest, they don't let you make your plate because they, they feel that you're going to put too little on your plate. So guess what they do? They load you down. And by the way, if they load you down, they expect you to eat all of it. It's just culture. You, hey, if we're going to give you this food, you're going to eat it. And as he's giving me food, Dr. Bernard, that's too much. Dr. Bernard, that's too much. And he's looking at me like, I don't think so. And he just kept, <laughs> you know, kept putting it on there. And I'm telling you, I had, you can ask my wife, this plate was ginormous. I mean, just, he just lavished this food on us, and, and it was the only thing he had to offer. He couldn't offer anything else, but they had food to offer. He had chicken and rice. You eat that a lot when you're in third world countries, and it was just chicken and rice and had, you know, vegetables in it and stuff like that, and he just, he just lavished it. Just, he, just, he, he couldn't give me enough of it, and I, I want you to know, God, is, God, God can't give you enough of his grace. He loves showing you Grace. The Bible says that he lavishes it upon us. He not only gives you enough grace to get you by, he gives you more than enough grace, an extra portion of grace, more than you could ever use. That's how much he's giving you. That's what that's saying. And it's all in him. And if you think, you know what, I would love to live my life for, and somebody just to be gracious to me nonstop. How many know people can be really mean in this world and, and, and less than gracious, less than merciful? You're like, well, I like being treated with mercy and grace. 
Aren't you glad you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because he lavishes grace on us. That's what the Bible says. Now move to verse 18. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. So he just gave you this explanation, this rich explanation of God's grace. He says, and now I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Then this is Paul. He's like, he, now he's writing to a church. He's writing to people who have already experienced the grace of God. He's like, I know, I know you're believers. You've already experienced the grace of God, but I've got to tell you something. There's so much grace that you haven't even experienced it yet. You don't even realize the amount of grace that God wants to show you and the amount of grace that God is showing you and the amount of grace that God will show you. You don't understand the richness of God's grace. And so now I'm praying for you that you would be enlightened. And what he's saying is this. You don't have a full understanding of the grace of God. You're kind of dark in that area. And I'm going to pray that that darkness absolutely is ripped out of you so you can see the incredible love and grace of God in your life. That's amazing to me. Can I tell you that you're surrounded by people whose their minds and their thoughts and their faith, it has been darkened. And we need to pray that God would enlighten them, that that darkness would be put away by the light of the gospel of grace. See, the mission here at New Song, you guys probably know this already, but if you don't, you'll hear this a lot, that our mission is to perpetuate the gospel of grace, the good news of grace. That's what gospel means, good news of grace, helping people become passionately devoted followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Rare is the Sunday that I don't say the word passionately devoted followers of Christ. Why? Because it's our mission. It's what we do. Like, like if you're not passionately devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ, then can I tell you this? You don't fully understand what grace is all about. You don't fully understand the richness of grace because when you get a, a true understanding of grace, how could you not follow the one who's that gracious to you? How could you not love the one who's that gracious, that merciful, that loving? How could you not give him your life? And so our job is to perpetuate the gospel of grace to help people understand. And so now I'm going to give you, in, in today's words, terminology, I'm going to give you that, that 30,000-foot overview of the grace of God. Write this down, number one. Grace is, you, you've obviously heard this, most of you have. Grace is the unmerited, unearned favor of God. It is the unmerited, unearned favor of God. And like it is letter A, so it is not based upon worth or works. To be un, 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 unmerited, merit, merit means uh, worth. It's another way of saying worth. So if it's, if it's unmerited favor of God, it means, it means the favor of God upon your life, but not based upon how valuable you are, how, how worthy of it you are. And then unearned obviously has to do with works. And it's not based upon your works. So if you say, hey, I really want the favor of God, therefore I'm gonna make myself more valuable and I'm gonna work for it, can I tell you something? You don't understand the grace of God. You, you, have, you have the grace of God in your life. You have 
the favor of God in your life, not based upon your worth and not based upon your works, but based upon his worth and based upon his work. See it? That's how it works. And you say, that's too good to be true. That's exactly my point here today. That's why we call it the good news, because it's too good to be true. And in this world, we're taught, oh, if it's too good to be true, don't, don't believe it. If it's too good to be true. I've had to tell my children that a lot of times. They'll, they'll be watching something on television. They're like, oh, Dad, we got to have that. They said that they would give free whatever. Uh, son, <laughs> let me tell you how the world works. There's always a catch. How many have ever said that phrase? There's always a catch. There's always a catch. But here's the something. This is so incredible concerning the grace of God. You know who gets the grace of God? You know who gets the favor of God? The Bible says every single person who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone who just says, Jesus, I need you, they get to receive, they do receive the grace and the favor of God, and it is unmerited and it is unearned. That's good news. You should say thank you, Jesus, for that because we've been changed by his grace and by his favor. It is unearned. It is unearned merited. Let me say it this way, letter B, it is the love of God shown to the unlovely. It's, that's what grace is. That's what the favor of God is. It is the love of God being shown to very unlovely people. Isn't that amazing? Let me say it this way, number two, grace is an extravagant gift. It's an extravagant gift. And this is what makes it so powerful. It is initiated by God. Let me stop right there. It's initiated by God, meaning you did not initiate the grace of God. So for the person, well, for the person who says, well, listen, I gotta get my, I gotta get my life right before I can come back to, to Christ. Can I tell you something that's wrong with that? What's wrong with that is you think grace is initiated by you. Well, I'll receive the grace of God as soon as I'm good enough. You think that grace is initiated by you, but that is not what the Bible says. That is a lie. It's, it, it's a lie from the enemy. That's not what grace is. Grace is initiated by God, not by you. In fact, that same grace is still benefiting my life today. I'm going to read from, from Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 7. And I'm going to prove this to you. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the richness, there it is again, of God's grace that he lavished on us. He gave us more than enough. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known. Who, who did? He did. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. Who initiated grace? It wasn't you. It was him. But isn't it interesting that we think we can initiate the grace of God? And God says, no, it's not initiated by you. It's initiated by me. I'm the one that starts it. I'm the one who said, if you just call upon me, I'm going to show you my grace. If you just call upon me. And you say, okay, well, that's my initiation. I call upon him. No, that's still not your initiation. The Bible says without the drawing of the Holy Spirit, 
you wouldn't even have you wouldn't even have this you wouldn't have sense enough to come to Jesus and say Jesus save me. You couldn't do that without the drawing of the Holy Spirit. See, it's not initiated by you, it's initiated by him. He starts it. That's how good he is. It's amazing. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 and 12 says for the grace of the grace of God appeared that offers salvation to to who? To whoever who's good enough? No, to all people. Offer salvation to all people. Now, some of you really struggle with that. Yeah, but I know a guy. I know a girl. No, the grace of God. The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And that's, that's why I, I tell you guys, I've told you guys this in the past, that when, when somebody says, accept Jesus as your personal Savior, I never liked that terminology. And I just never liked it. Now, is Jesus personal to me? Yes, he is. And should he be personal to you? Absolutely. Like, I, I have no problem with you being in a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I have no problem with that. But when we say a personal relationship with the Lord, like, I, I've accepted him as my personal Savior, do, does that convey, though, that Somebody can, can accept somebody else as their savior, even if it's not Jesus. Let, let me say it this way. Let me say it a better way. That Jesus is the savior of the world. He's everyone's savior, not just my personal savior. He's everyone's savior. He, let me say it this way. He's the only savior. He's the only savior who happens to be very personal to me. Is he personal to you? How many are in love with Jesus Christ? Okay, then he's personal to you. He's your personal savior, but he's everybody's savior. Everybody get it? And, and I think sometimes that's confusing to people as if, well, I've chosen Jesus, but you can choose somebody else. No, he's the only savior of the world. And the Bible says that the grace of God appeared that offered salvation to all people. But watch this, watch this. He's not done yet. Verse 12 says, it teaches us, the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So the grace is, grace is an extravagant gift of God. It is initiated by God, and it's still benefiting my life. The grace of God is still benefiting my life. Let, let me say it like this. When you're living in, 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 in your, just your day-to-day -day lives and you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit come in and say, hey, don't do that. Don't listen to that. Don't watch that. Don't go there. Don't talk about that. A lot of you think, well, I, oh, man, I'm being disciplined. I'm being punished. That's the judgment of God. That's the wrath of God. That's, that's God's anger. Can I tell you something? Can I, can, I, can I just tell you this in the Lord? That's actually the grace of God upon your life. That, that's the grace of God. That's not God saying, oh, I'm so mad at you. That's God saying, hey, no, no, no. let me help you. Let me help you. That path leads to, to hurt. That path leads to pain. That path leads to destruction. No, 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 come back here. There's a better way. There's a better way. Let's walk this way. That's the grace of God. Did you know that? See, some of you didn't understand. You thought that was God getting angry. No, that's God in love with you. That's his love for you. Are you listening to him? Are you rejecting? By the way, he doesn't... 
His grace doesn't always, it doesn't only tell you what not to do. The grace of God also tells you what you should do. I don't know, don't do that. You need to do this. No, don't go there, go here. You know how many times I've been going somewhere and God says, no, 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 no go here, go here. Only, only to step into that place and have, an, have a divine appointment that I could never have created on my own just because I listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit. That just happened this week. I, I, I met this amazing couple. Uh, again, we were at this conference in Birmingham, and, and um, this couple was sitting, sitting beside me, and, and I could tell that they really didn't know anybody in the area, and of course, we had a whole row of like 11 of us, and they were just kind of there by themselves, and and the whole time I kept thinking, I got to get to know this couple. I got to get to know this couple. I don't know why. So we, we broke out for these app sessions, these, these uh, you know, the workshop things that you can go to at a conference. And, and, and all, of, all of my team left, all the pastors and their wives left. And I turned to this couple and I, I said, guys, I'm sorry. I just got to introduce myself to you. They're like, oh, we were going to do the same to you. But we don't know why. We just felt we had to meet you. And I said, well, tell me, tell me about yourselves. Like, like, are you pastors? Where do you, I don't know, we're missionaries. Well, where are you missionaries to? South Africa. I said, well, cool, tell me about that. Uh, you know, who are you with? You know, who do you, they said, well, now we're with, well, with ARC, who we were down there with the Association of Related Churches. But they said, but first we weren't with anybody. I said, well, what do you mean? They said, well, we literally just heard the call of God to go to South Africa to minister to the, to the, to the children in the, in the streets, in the slums. And so we just sold everything, like sold our house, sold our cars, sold everything we had, and we just moved to South Africa, to Durban, South Africa. And, and, and I said, and you didn't know anybody there? They said, we didn't know a soul. We just moved. I said, well, what did you do? What, like, what, what's your ministry then? They said, we just started rescuing kids out of the slums. And like, okay, where did you put them? Uh, we found other Bible-believing families and so we just, it just started with one. We just took one child out of the slums, and there were or, orphans were there. I mean, just hundreds, in fact, thousands and thousands of orphans on the streets of Durban. I didn't know that. No, no mom, no dad, they're just living off the streets. And so they just took one, and they connected it with a Bible-believing family. And they just went to check on that one every week. And then they found another, and they connected that one with another Bible-believing family. And then they found another, connected that one with a Bible-believing family. Over and over and over again. And they said every time that they connected this child, they would go to that family that they're connecting with this Christian family and saying, hey, listen, we, we want you to house this child and raise this child, but we don't want you to incur any expenses, so we're going to completely pay for every expense that they have. And I looked at them and said, well, how many kids have you rescued? 2,000. What? They said, yeah, and we check on them every single week. I said, then how do you do that? You can't, you can't check on 2,000 kids every single week. Every single one of those children gets a, an in-home visit. I said, you, you can't do that. They said, well, yeah, we can't because we have a staff of 25 full-time employees. <laughs> I like, what do you say to that? Like, you guys are awesome. <laughs> like, you, you guys are heroes. Isn't that, isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? They're like, what's your story? I'm like, I got nothing compared to you guys. Like, <laughs> I'm just a church planner. That's all I am. I got, I got nothing. Isn't that, isn't that incredible? And, and 
I, I said, and, and again, this is just me. This is just me. I said, you know what? Me and my church would be stupid not to, not to um, support you financially. I, I said, we're, we're going to start giving to you right, right now, like immediately. Start giving to you. And I said, the next time that you're in the States or up near Indiana, um, I want you to stop by the church. And I said, we normally don't let missionaries on Sunday mornings up here to speak because we support so many. There, we would have like two missionaries every single Sunday to speak. We just, we just don't, we support them, but they don't, not all, but I said, I want you guys here on a Sunday morning. I said, you got to share that story with my church. That's just too incredible not to share. And they said, you know what? Actually, we're from Michigan and we're going to be here in, in December. And we travel with a, a South African, a children's choir that they put together from the kids that they refuge off this. They said, can we bring our, our, our children's choir to sing a new song? I said, only any day you want. You know, like, <laughs> that'd be great. How many know that if you listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, you'll have divine God moments? So he's not oftentimes, he's not, sometimes he's saying no, but there are other times where he's saying yes. And we just need to obey, we need to obey the voice of the Spirit and go where he tells us to go and stay away from where he tells us to stay away. And all of that is being done because of his grace. It's all being done because of his grace. I promise you that. Let me tell you something that's really, really cool. Number three, grace is God giving nothing less than himself. Grace is, God, grace is when God gives nothing less than himself. Isn't that amazing? Like, that, that's how we can say, Father, you're everything to me. Because when he comes in our life, we've got all of them. We've got, all, we, we've got more than enough mercy, more than enough grace, more than enough love, more than enough peace, more than enough joy, because we got all of him. He is my everything. And it's all because of his grace and his love for me and his grace and his love for you. Everybody who calls upon the name of the Lord receives his grace. And that's why it's called the gospel. That's why it's called the good news. But can I tell you something? It's only good news if people hear it. It's only good news if people hear it. Otherwise, it's not news at all. Let, let me say it a different way. Let, let me say it even a more plain way. It's only good news if people hear it in time. Because there will be a day when we're all standing in front of God. The Bible says it this way, that he's separating the sheep from the goats. He's separating the believers from the non-believers, those who trusted Jesus and those who didn't. And at that point, it's going to be too late. Good news is really good news. As long as people hear it, and as long as people hear it in time. And we have a job to do, New Song. And, and I, I, I was just telling Next Steps this morning, one of the coolest things about New Song, we live in a town of 10,000 people. Did you notice that our church alone, just New Song, I don't know about all the other Bible-believing churches I haven't asked, just New Song alone has baptized over 400 people since we started New Song 14 years ago in a town of 10,000. I don't know about you, but God gets some praise for that, doesn't he? And so, 
New song, we're doing a great job at winning lost people to Jesus. We are doing a great job. In fact, in a couple weeks, we'll have another baptism service. We're doing a great job. But God put something on my heart. I heard this at the conference, and right when I heard it, I thought, that's me, that's me, that's me. Describes who I am. That here at New Song, we're not, we're not building a church. We're filling heaven. We're not building a church. We're filling heaven. You know, a lot of pastors, when they've gone through what, what my wife and I have gone through as senior pastors, and you plant a church and the church grows and it and you just start making a difference in people's lives, not only here in the community, but literally all around the world. As you've known, we've, we've planted multiple churches now. We're starting a second campus. And, and they get a lot of pastors get to a point where we just went through about a year and a half ago or so where they complete a building program. They build a building. And within two years, I forgot the percentage, but it's a large percentage of pastors, they just resign and go somewhere else. You know Why? because they were there just to, build a, just to build a church. And after the church was built, they didn't have any more vision. They didn't have a vision after that. It was just, boy, as soon as I can get that building, as soon as I can get X, Y, and Z, as soon as we accomplish this, then we'll be there. And once they're there, they get discouraged and they leave because they don't have a vision for the future. Can I, can I tell you? This, this building had nothing to do with my, with my I'm gonna say, like, I better watch how I say this because you know it's important to put down roots here and you know that God gave Jennifer and I a vision for this. But, but can, I, can I tell you something? Just because we finished a building does, does not mean that my vision became smaller. In fact, my vision has never been bigger than it is right now because I'm not about building a church. I'm all about filling heaven. Like, I, I know in heaven, and I'm, I'm going to play a pretend game here. I know in heaven that Jesus is going to get all of the praise, and, and he certainly deserves all of the praise. But let's pretend that God allows a thank you line in heaven. And people can come up to you in heaven and say, thank you. And you say, for what? What do you what do you want to hear from them? Thank you for that $5 that you gave me at McDonald's that one time. Thank you for paying it forward when I was in line at, at, the, at the fast food place and you decided to pay my bill and I was the one right behind you. Hey, thanks for that. Is that, no, no, no. let's go deeper than that, right? Like if there were lines in heaven and people saying thank you for what you've done, I, I want my line to be filled with people saying, Justin, thank you for telling me about Jesus. Because in eternity, that's all that's going to matter. It's all that's going to matter. I love new song. I love the growth that we've experienced. But we ain't done yet. Because there are people in our community 
that don't know Jesus. And I'm not about building a church. I'm about, I'm about filling heaven with people who don't know him yet. And I wonder if you would just join me on the journey. Would you just join me on the journey? And let's just reach this dark world. Not only pray, but talk to them. Ask the Lord that he would allow them to be enlightened. They would experience and understand his love and his grace. So, so Easter Sunday, next Sunday, a week from today, it's not about growing the church. It's about growing heaven. You see the difference? It's not about growing. The, the, the church will grow. The church will grow. But it's not about growing this church. It's about growing heaven. It's about filling heaven. And I want you to do your part as I do my part as we live for the glory of his name. Amen? So you're going to have some invitation cards that we're going to give you. We want you to invite people. We want you to pray like you've never prayed before because we're praying. F- I, 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 it's been said that we're praying for dozens and dozens of people to accept Jesus. I'm praying for at least 100 people to give their lives to Jesus. That's what I'm praying for. And you, and you know, in the scheme of things, that's not very many, is it? How many know God can save 100 people here at New Song next Sunday morning? But we got to do our part. We got to do our part. We got to go reach them. We got to invite them. We got to invest in their life. Can I, can I tell you something? Winning lost people to Jesus is not easy. It never has been. But it's always rewarding. And when you invite somebody, you're investing in somebody, and all of a sudden, as you're sitting next to them in church, and and the pastor says, who would like to give your life to Jesus today? Raise your hand. And all of a sudden, your friend's hand goes up, your coworker's hand goes up, your family member's hand goes up. I've done you. Nothing. I'll tell you, the joy that you experience that in that moment is addicting. And you'll want to do that for the rest of your life. Because that's how much joy it brings you. If you've never won anybody to Jesus, oh, the joy of it. It's, it's addicting. It is addicting. And you'll want to spend the rest of your days doing that. I challenge you. I challenge you. Let's give our friends, our family members, our coworkers, our neighbors, everything we got. Because a person is four times more likely to come to church on Easter Sunday than any other time of the year, four times. And we can make a huge difference next Sunday morning as we live for the glory of Jesus. As we don't live to build our church, but we live to fill heaven. Just stand up with me. As you're standing up, I'm going to tell you that this week we're starting a, a, a social media um, promo, spending several hundred dollars on it, a lot, in fact, several hundred dollars on it. We, ha- we just have an invitation that, that's going out there to invite people to Easter services. Um, we've paid for it. It's going to go out there um, starting today at 5 p.m. is when it hits, and it's going to last until next Saturday at 10 o'clock at night. And when you see that ad on Facebook, we want you to share it. We want you to tag, tag friends with it, invite, use it to invite people, but definitely share it to all of your contacts and just to help, help get the word out. In fact, can I tell you something, everybody? Every time that you see a post on New, New Song's uh, social media pages, that, especially Facebook, that just says, hey, come join us, could you just do us a favor and just share that every single time? 
I, I mean, just everybody can do that, right? Everybody can do that. Just share it every single time. And you'll just help us get the word out there that there's a life-giving church right here at New Song. And we want you to help us, especially this coming week, as we, as we just get the word out there for Easter services, as people are going to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. It's going to be amazing. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, today's a great day. You don't have to wait till Easter to give him your life. And I'm going to pray right now a, what we would call a prayer of salvation. And, and if you... If you just say, today's my day, Pastor, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus, pray this prayer, and then we'll tell you what to do after that. And then we're gonna pray blessings upon our Easter services. Bow your heads with me. Jesus, today we're thankful for the cross. And we're thankful for your resurrection. And we believe in the cross. We believe in the resurrection. And Jesus, we believe in you. You are Lord now, Jesus, I'm asking, be Lord of my life. Today, Jesus, I'm surrendering my life to you. I'm asking you, Jesus, forgive me of all of my sins. Come into my life, change me, and help me to live for you. Thank you that even as I pray that simple prayer that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life, that I get to go to heaven, that I've been saved simply by grace through faith. I thank you that now I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, and I'll never be ashamed of you. Thank you, Jesus, for being Lord of my life. Now, new song for all of you who love Jesus Christ and are going to help us pray for Easter services, that the lost would come to know him. Could we just lift up our hands to the Lord and call out to the Lord together in unity? Father, we need your presence here next Sunday morning as we gather in all three services. We need you to do the miraculous. Father, I pray that you would fill this place with your power and with your glory. I pray that many people would call out for your grace and your love and salvation that, Lord, you would anoint my words as I speak, Father, that I wouldn't speak any word of my own accord, but every single word that would come out of my mouth would be something directly from your heart. God, I pray for the worship band, the worship team, as they lead in worship. Father, I pray that you would anoint them by the power of your spirit, that even before people hear... The, the sermon next Sunday morning, that even during the middle of the worship service, they would start surrendering, surrendering their hearts to you. <laughs> and Lord, we pray that this community, community would be thoroughly changed by the gospel of grace. And we pray, Father, for those who were lost, that they would come into your kingdom. Father, we cry out and we call them from the north and the south and the east and the west, and we say, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Lord, I pray that as people enter into this place next Sunday morning, that every hardened heart would be softened, every person that has a wall that has been built up around their life, around their mind, around their heart, Lord, I pray that that would fall to the ground, that you would give them ears to hear the truth of your word.
and hearts that are receptive and that you would make their hearts good soil, good ground, that the word of God would be planted in them and it would produce a harvest 30, 60, or 100-fold. And we thank you for it and declare your blessings upon our church. By your grace and by your mercy, we know it's ours as you show us your favor. And we love you and we thank you for it. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a part in what God is doing in your life. And we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to www.new-song-church.com backslash next steps. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.